Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What is going on? My name is Daniel Garcia. Welcome to the All Angels Podcast. And normally I'm joined by Johnny Mags and Chris Curator Johnson. But today, both of them not able to make it. So I'm um, going to do it on my own this week. Uh, hopefully by the beginning or by, by the podcast next week, everyone will be back. But um, so, yeah, let's kick it off. And for people that are just joining us or haven't seen the show before, uh, we start with a week in review. Um, we're trying to do something a little different, or at least I am trying to do something a little different, is um, I am now also trying to simulcast it on uh, our Halo Haven fan page. So um, definitely, if you're not a fan of it, go hit up Facebook, type in Halo Haven. Um, so we're trying to just try to do stuff a little different, try to get the uh, people more ways to see it. Um, but yeah, so let's start with our, our regular podcast. So um, like I said, normally we go... We can review from podcast to podcast. So, for example, this week um, we did our podcast last Thursday, and that same night the Angels had a starter series with the Seattle Mariners um, in in Anaheim. Um, so the very first game, uh, Thursday the thirteenth, um, you know, kind of the story of the week: the Angels lost and um, to Seattle two to eight. Um, it was a bullpen game. I guess one of the bright spots of it was Upton did hit a home run. Um, Upton, Trout, and Otani are, are, are proven to be a really big three-person uh, group in the lineup. Uh, kind of what, what people were hoping for and I think what people uh, have expected. But uh, the Spania only go, gives up three, three runs, four hits in an inning. But like I said, it, it was a bullpen game. Um, those are kind of touch and go. It just seems like with every bullpen game, it's either going to have great success or no success at all. Um, it just very. It, it seems like there's, a, there's not a lot of middle room with it. It's usually one or the other. Um, so now going into Friday's game, the 14th, another loss to uh, Seattle, uh, zero to five. Um, again, you know, offense struggling, zero uh, and seven with runners in scoring position. Um, Shoemaker makes his start, his third start since coming off the DL. Um, four and two-thirds innings, gives up three runs, eight Ks, not bad, but I, I, I truly believe he's going to be on some kind of pitch count from here to the end of the season. There's no need um, with the Angels being officially out of the playoff run that there's no need for him to still, um, for them to go any harder, go any longer than they absolutely need to. Um, but again, another loss to Seattle, 0-5. Uh, now Saturday, again, a little closer game, but the same thing, uh, Angels lose. Uh, five to six uh, behind Haney, who pitched five innings, eight hits, two in runs. So again, not not bad. Um, only five innings. Again, there's no reason to stretch these guys out longer. I, I think the Angels might be on um, some kind of. Uh, I'd be worried about with with the players getting injured. So there's no need to stretch them out super long, if no if they don't necessarily need to. Uh, but Otani, Trout, and Upton 
all hit home runs in this game. Uh, so to for people that you know want to look for some kind of bright side, it is definitely a bright side that um, these guys are going to have another year together next year. Hopefully, all of them stay healthy for the majority of the season. Um, even with Otani possibly getting that Tommy John surgery at the end of this year, all bets are that he would be able to come back um, next year and at least DH, uh, hopefully full-time, hopefully full-time. So, um, again, that, that kind of is the, the way to go. And uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, fast forward to Sunday, afternoon game. I was there. Chris was there. Uh, a victory, a close victory, a fun game. Uh, Jaime Brea, again, five innings, three runs, three, six hits. You kind of see a theme with the starting pitchers. I don't know. Unless they're absolutely cruising, unless the pitch count is super low, I don't know necessarily if they are going to um, stretch these guys out. I don't see a reason to. Uh, but, yeah, Brea, five runs, uh, well, five innings, three runs, six hits. Um, you know, one of the things that happened this game that is kind of interesting is Fletcher uh, in the first inning – Legs out a double. You can see it right away. He came up limping because it was one of those balls where you, if he really pushed it, he probably could have tried for third. But the fact that he held up limp, they took him out. He hasn't been back since. Um, that was in the first inning after a double. But the big part of the game was when Calhoun uh, hit that home run in the seventh inning to give him the lead, the 4-3 lead, which they were able to hold on to. Um, you know, Calhoun has been a totally, sec- uh, totally different player the second half. Um, you know, coming into next season, if Calhoun can be any kind of productive um, that he has in the second half, it would be great just to, for them to um, have another person in that lineup that can produce powered mostly. Um, you know, Angels don't have a bad lineup. If they, they plug in some holes where um, where they need it, I, I have a feeling that the offense will really pick up next year and will be able to produce a lot of runs, a lot of good runs um, throughout the season. All right, so that was the, the, the sole win for, the, uh, for Seattle or for the Angels in the Seattle series. So now moving forward, uh, they had a day off Monday, and then they go to Oakland Tuesday to start their very last road series of the of the of the year, so Seattle, and then obviously tomorrow they'll be heading off uh, to uh, Houston, and then back home for the final final handful of games. So great, just to, for them to. So I, I I'll see what happens. I don't know um, necessarily yeah. how the Houston series goes, but uh, the Oakland series definitely wasn't pretty. Definitely wasn't pretty at all. So we'll see how this goes. Um, starting off with the Tuesday game at Oakland. It's a win, so I guess definitely a good way to start, and that's the way you want to start. But um, it was Skaggs' return off the DL. He pitched three innings, no runs, uh, 3Ks. Um, again, him coming off the injury, you kind of figured that he will be on um, some kind of pitch count, whether it's um, – you know, maybe it's only three innings the rest of the season, which would make total sense just because of the fact that um, there's no need. Like we were saying earlier with like the Heenies and the Jaime Reyes, you don't need them to uh, produce, you know, seven inning games 
eight inning games because of the situation. It's better to get their work in, make sure they get out of their healthy, make sure that um, that they you know are able to come back in the the spring and be able to produce. I mean, Angels, I believe, would have a halfway decent year, definitely more than um, they have been if all the um, pitchers that they assumed were coming uh, were going to play this uh, year uh, stayed healthy because, you know, that that is the big thing is, is, is health, and, and you see it around baseball. Some teams are... Um, like Oakland are able to come back from it a lot better than, you know, obviously the angels, but, uh, you know, the offense seems to be okay. The, the defense seems to be okay. It's just, you know, that pitching needs to get into that next level and, and not even so much next level, but just needs to stay healthy. Um, Wednesday, a, an ugly game. The next two ones are pretty ugly. Uh, Wednesday, another loss at Oakland or the first loss of the series at, at Oakland, um, Zero to ten. Felix Pena goes four innings, six earned runs, three Ks. Parker Bridwell, and this is this is an interesting stat. You start looking up stuff online, and uh, and you figure out that Parker Bridwell, uh, you know, between this season and last season when he was with the Angels, and last season being a great rookie year, um, he has 120 in the third innings um, against everyone else but the A's and when he faced someone else besides the A's he's have he has a, a 3.07 ERA which is really good which is you know what you want especially from a young guy that can obviously develop and get better um the bad news is when he he goes against the A's he has you know not even nine full not even nine innings against them and he's already given up 22 um 22 runs and that's definitely I, I didn't do the math but um Definitely not great ERA on that one. So, um, you know, Pena leaves, Parker gets, uh, come, or Bridwell comes in, and he gives up his three runs. So, um, definitely not exactly the way you would want uh, a series to go, or, or the middle game of the series to go, where you get up ten runs um, so quickly. So, uh, that was the f- the second game of the series. That was on Wednesday, and then we as we record this. Um, it is Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, so they have concluded the game for the day. Um, you know, and and it was a it was a bad one. Yeah, you know, I don't know how else to put it. Oakland wins twenty one to three. I think they said the worst loss in franchise history. Um, don't know what necessarily they can do. I mean, let's talk about overreaction. You know, Thursday, um, you're seeing a lot of stuff on Instagram and a lot of stuff on. Um, on, uh, you know, whatever you social media want, Twitter, whatever. It, it just seems like a lot of people are kind of like, oh, my God, this team is horrible. This team is this, this team is that. You know, this team isn't great. I'll give them that. But it's not necessarily – you can't judge this team off of one little um, hiccup in the road, I guess. You know, it's a 21-point loss. Yeah, I get it. But it's one game. It, you know, it, it, they, these guys, you know, are trying to stay healthy. Um, Shoemaker started the game. He went two and two-thirds, gave up five runs. Um, you know, Trout hits a home run. It, it was just a really bad game. I guess the, one of the one of the good things that come out of it, or one of the history making things out of it, I don't know. Um, good history, bad history, I'm not sure. But uh, Arcia, Francisco Arcia, started the game as a catcher, came in as a pitcher, and hit a home run. First time ever that one person has done all that: catched, pitched, and hit a home run. So. 
if you're going to look at the price, at least there's some kind of history there. Um, but yeah, just an ugly, ugly game all the way around. Uh, again, a 21 to three loss today, earlier today, up in Oakland, and, and, and like I said earlier, um, off to Houston for the weekend, and then back home for the rest of the season, and which is, um, you know, during the week, and then the, the weekend series against Oakland. And I believe, don't don't quote me on it, but we're working on something to do a tailgate Saturday under the Big A. Um, I know myself, I'll be there for sure. Um, you know, Chris and John are thinking about going to the game as well. So we're, we are looking for, uh, you know, a tailgate, kind of the last tailgate of the year, obviously, with it being the last series of the year. But definitely, um, you know, ha- hopefully have some fun, even with the season winding down and it not being the season that everyone expected. Um, so, you know, that's the review of the, of the week. Um, you know, as we stand right now, the Angels are 75 and 78 the two and five uh, record for the week but like kind of like what we thought um earlier uh last week was it was great when they beat up these bad teams it was great when they um beat up you know um teams that they should now this week was going to be a real test with seattle and and um oakland teams that are competing for uh playoff spots how they would react and you know obviously the record shows that it is not necessarily the best um, reaction or the best um, thing you could do uh, as as Angel fans, but you know it 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 it's a process. You know, at one point in the game today, with when they took out all the regulars, you only had about out of the nine starters, you had three guys that were even on, on the forty man roster at the beginning of the season. So, um, a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys, are those the guys that are going to be there next year starting? Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. I, I, I honestly think I I don't see a lot of those guys starting next year or even maybe not even being in the team, maybe being um, AAA guys that get brought up as the season goes on, but definitely not those kind of guys. But uh, moving on, um, some news uh, this week. Um, you know, but first, before I get to that, uh, one player that I have been noticing and, and I think the people around have been noticing and people – um, with the Angels have noticed is Ty Butcher. Uh, for people that don't know, he's one of the guys that they got for um, one of the guys that they got for uh, Ian Kinsler. Um, and, you know, obviously, obviously was uh, a young pitcher that they really liked. And he has just come in and just kind of, you know, done really, really well. Has gone 15 in the third innings. Has a .59 ERA. That's one run so far this year and he's only given up at least two hits in 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 one game once all the other games zero hits or one hit so again obviously a guy that the angels could really really use going forward and even maybe fitting into that possible closer spot um next year with you know uh, with middleton not being able to pitch for the majority of the season because of the tommy john surgery so one guy that has definitely um, caught my eye. Um, and then another thing I wanted to bring up was that, you know, like I kind of said earlier, Trout, Upton, Otani. I mean, these guys are producing, um, you know, besides Trout um, and Otani, Upton's been, well, I guess all the guys have missed significant time on the DL, which is crazy because you, you look at, at Trout and he's 36 home runs, 72 RBIs. So you have Upton that's 30 home runs, 84 RBIs, and then you have Otani. 
uh, 20 home runs and 55 RBIs. Just these guys um, producing and can be in the middle of the lineup next year, um, you know, and and possibly gain second half Calhoun for the full season would be a whole different story as well because now the beginning of the season you're not trying to bury him in the bottom of the lineup because of his struggles. You're trying to now put him in that leadoff spot to get on base and, and when the lineup gets flipped over maybe in the third or fourth inning, now he can come up with, with some guys on base and possibly drive them in. So, um, you know, there's six in home runs right now with uh, uh, an MLB. So definitely that's the power. They have the power, just they're really, really struggling on their, on their batting batting averages and stuff like that. So, again, uh, offense doing things that we expected them to do all season long, just – Maybe not as consistently as we wanted, but you could definitely tell that something is there. Um, another good news for us, and again, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know, in the past, you you know our relationship with the Inland Empire 66ers and the way they let us interview some of their players, some of the top players. I mean, we had Joe Adele, Brandon Marsh, Griffin Canning, um, you know, Torrey Hunter Jr. just recently, and then we get down there for the rehab start. So the fact that they have extended their contract with the angels to be a developmental club for them for the next four seasons is is great news for people like us that we like to go out there and like to see them and like to see um guys develop that one day you will see on the big league park so again that that's huge news for us that's um you know as a fan that's local to them that, that that's great and i can't wait to see what comes in the years um, with all the first round picks and all the young talent that they do have coming up so um, great news for you know angel fans i think in the ie in general but definitely for this podcast because of our relationship we have with them and and, and cont- we'll hopefully continue to have and, and, and bring you guys great content and interviews with the seasons that come now that they signed an extension so that is pretty much the news for the week nothing too exciting nothing too you know groundbreaking i guess you want to say it but um we're going to go to commercial right now when we get back we have a special interview that i will lead into and after that we'll get to a poll question emails and and just kind of whatever else is is going on in angel baseball so um hang on real quick you know uh we have an interview on the back side of the commercial but uh we'll be right back Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. 
This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And we are back. Uh, thank you to the sponsors again. Um, we ask you guys to uh, help the people that help us put this together. Um, you know, even if that just means just go checking out their, their website or their, their Facebook, Instagram, or anything like that, just give them a look. If it's something that you are product for you, then yeah, give them a try. We highly recommend it. If it's not just, you know, maybe there's a buddy that, that does like that kind of stuff, you know, uh, shoot them over there. But um, thank you to all our sponsors and everything. But um, earlier this week, uh, it was yesterday actually, I had the pleasure to um, con- reach out and contact a guy that you People might not know him by name. People might not realize who he is at first glance. But then you start looking deeper and deeper into this guy. Um, you realize he has a big part of Angels history and just baseball history in general. But um, Todd Radom, uh, graphic designer, he works on, I mean, not just baseball stuff, but I'm talking about, you know, um, the big three championship, the Ice, ice Cubes, uh, Basketball League, um, different uh, – different logos and jerseys throughout the years in, in baseball and basketball. Um, the 2016 All-Star Game, that logo down in San Diego, that was him uh, that created that and designed that. So, again, um, he has part of Angel history to be that we should be, I guess, thanking him for. But the 2002 uniform and logo, when they made that switch to the Periwinkle to the jersey, they won the uh, World Series, and that was his design. That was his idea. So, um, again, I had an opportunity to uh, call him up, talk a little Angel Baseball, talk about a little baseball in general, and a little bit about himself. But um, here's the interview. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Now joining us on the All Angels Podcast is a man you might not know by his name, but you definitely recognize the work he does, not only on the baseball field, but across sports, and that's Todd Radom. Thanks, Todd, for joining us today. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Uh, one of the first things I uh, wanted to talk to you about was, you know, obviously this being an Angel podcast. Last year on uh, ESPN's uh, Baseball Tonight podcast, you ranked the number 16th logo, the Angels logo from, I believe, the, the Big A from the 1980s. Can you tell us a little more about that logo and why it's so special? Yeah, I mean, that was a really interesting exercise because uh, the mandate in that case uh, was not necessarily to cover every one of the 30 teams but to really highlight, uh, you know, by any objective measure, the best logos. And I tried to get, you know, I tried to not get into the weeds too, too much. But the original Angels uppercase A logo with the halo up on top, the thinner version that dated back to the Nolan Ryan years, really just, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of simplicity. Looked great on a uniform. It was contemporary. Uh, yet it, it was rooted in some traditional uh, design elements. And, uh, you know, it's good to be associated with, with greatness. Those Angels teams got close. They never quite got over the hump, thinking specifically of 1979, Don Baylor and all that stuff. But uh, it was a good-looking cap, and it, it translated into a really cool logo. And, and looking up, you know, information about you on your website, ToddRadom.com, I, I noticed that you designed – uh, the logo of the 2002 Angels, and for any Angel fan, uh, that's a very important year for uh, Angel fans and just <laughs> Angels in general. Um, what went into that logo change, and what you know, uh, what were some of the ideas going around when you, when they decided to change the logo? Well, it's funny you say 2002 because I always refer to that particular project, and I say sometimes, you know, uh, there are times in life that it's better to be lucky than good. 
And uh, the lucky part, of course, came with the Angels appearing in and winning their first and only World Series to date that year. Um, so I think the logo, if you'll pardon the pun, gets a little bit of a halo effect uh, <laughs> because of that very special World Series. Um, well, I, I think, you know, it's a long time ago, and this is one of these identities that really has... Some don't stand the test of time. Some you really can't imagine hanging around for as long as that has. But uh, I think, you know, the, the, the basics were a desire to get back to basics, away from the very involved, very uh, multicolor look, the periwinkle look yes. that uh, <laughs> the Disney angels were associated with in the 90s, the Mo Vaughn years, et cetera, et cetera. You know that. And uh, to kind of kind of think backwards a little bit and uh, tap into the DNA of the franchise. And, uh, you know, looking at the, the big A in the parking lot just made so much sense. Um, I recall uh, the conversation being had that red was apparently Gene Autry's favorite color, so it's a little bit of a, an homage to the, uh, the OG Gene Autry from <laughs> the expansion 1961. And, uh, you know, a, a more of a traditional look, um, which was really, you know, if you think about the look of baseball in 2002 and uh, what we were kind of getting away from, we were kind of getting back to basics. We had this very involved period of design across all of sports and uh, this kind of devolved the thing a little bit. And lastly, um, you know, you've got the Dodgers some miles uh, northward, they are, of course, blue. You think about rivalries and the tribal associations that fans have with their colors. So uh, if the Dodgers are blue and red was out there for the taking and Gene Autry loved it and Boom. red was associated with the franchise, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, that makes perf perf perfect sense. When you see a team, you know, whether it's that Angels team or any team you've helped in years past, when you see a team win a a championship of some sort, and you see them wear the jersey that you helped design, and you know, you know, from now on, when anyone looks up that team, whether it's in 20 years, they'll see something you designed. Does that give you some kind of pride uh, when you see something like that? Absolutely. I mean, I am a history guy. I always have been, and I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I was in Cooperstown doing a book signing uh, in the middle of August, and, you know, I've been up there a billion times. It never gets old. And to walk into that plaque gallery and see Vladimir Guerrero with the uh, the current A logo yeah. on his cap, you know, kind of like, I mean, that's a pretty special thing. And beyond that, to just go around the museum and see pieces of uh, pieces of design that I've been responsible for over the last quarter century, it's a pretty cool thing. So yeah, it does not get old, and you can't necessarily create things with with uh, that kind of um, you know, dynamic in mind, but uh, it's certainly a very rewarding, nice thing to see. Yeah, speaking of your book, uh, Winning Ugly, it's now available to buy um, on your website, toddradio.com, but I'm sure you probably get it where, wherever books are sold. But um, what goes into a book like that when you're, when you're focusing on, on uniforms and, and, and logos and everything? What, what's the mindset um, when you uh, uh, attempt a book like that? Well, you know, listen, uh, we, are, we are fans and we are very... How can I put it? Uh, we, we have opinions about our uniforms. <laughs> yes. Either good, bad, or ugly. Yes. And, uh, again, there's inevitable comparison uh, between the Angels and the National League Dodgers. And, you know, I've often said I close my eyes and I think of a baseball uniform and 
the doctor's uniform comes to mind. It's a thing of beauty. Um, so that's easy to say. You know what's really difficult? You know what, what sparks conversation? Ugly baseball uniforms. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I was asked by the I was asked by the New York Times to write an editorial piece about the charms of ugly baseball uniforms. This was in April 2017. Um, that's the genesis of the book Winning Ugly. So in the book, I give kind of a very uh, low-level description and general respect of uh, the look of the baseball uniform, the origins of the you know, of the uniform from the uh, Cincinnati Red Stockings in the years immediately following the Civil War. It's a long time ago, right? Yeah, that's some history. <laughs> and how, how uniforms evolve. And then I get into the, I, I dive into the, the flaming dumpster fire in certain <laughs> cases. So, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was so much fun to write, to do research for, and to uh, really look at the, the visuals and think about it with a, with a fresh viewpoint. When when you say, you know, ugly uniforms or logos, you know, I, I think, and you touched on it a little bit, I think one of the more polarizing logos in Angels history is that periwinkle you talked about uh, a little while ago. Um, you know, can you tell us what went into that change? What were they thinking? Because it, when you look at the Angels um, logos, like, as the history goes, like, everything kind of seems, you know, you have, the, you have the CA, you have the A, you have, you know, the LA when they first originally started. And then you have this big periwinkle with these big wings and these colors. And what you know? Do you know what went into that change? Well, I mean, I think if you look at it in a broader context, there's really nothing specific to speak to about that, uh, other than to point out the fact that the Blue Jays abandoned their traditional visual roots. Uh, you know, sometime after that, and what happened is, uh, you know, not too long ago. They kind of went back to what they used to look like. Uh, this has happened with a lot of teams. Look at the Houston Astros, right? Yeah. Um, a visual outlier from 2000 to just about you know 2012, let's say, when they were brick and black, back to the navy blue and orange, back to basics. Teams sometimes lose their identity, and I think in the case of the Angels, they lost their identity for several years, whatever, whatever you want to say, you know, good, bad, ugly, whatever you know, following trends, the complexity of what that uniform is all about. And I'll also say that um, there are times, uh, I, I think that, that teams make changes for one of two reasons. Number one, you've got a new owner coming in, and that new person who is usually a billionaire or a company wants to put their stink on their, their nice new toy. Yeah. <laughs> or number two, a franchise wants to break an era of losing. And uh, it sends a very strong message to the fan base to redesign things. In the case of the Angels, you know, they were going through, uh, I think, a, a flat period, it's fair to say, at that time. Um, this is a team that, of course, as we said off the top, had never won a World Series, never been in a World Series. I think it's easier to make, make a break like that. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays in 2007 going into 2008 go to a World Series, but it's easier to do that than uh, to be a team like the Red Sox or the Cardinals and really just rip the Band-Aid off and do something completely different. Yeah, it, it's definitely, me personally, I don't mind it. It's a nice little change, kind of like you said, it's part of history. My, my co-host, on the other hand, he hates it. He, he can't stand it when someone wearing a hat or a uniform with a periwinkle on it, but that's always kind of a, a, a topic that we always uh, bring up when we start talking uniforms or, or, or jerseys or logos in, in Angels Pass, but um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about was the WBC, another great, you know, baseball 
um, exhibition, if you will, um, happens, you know, every so often. Um, now, I saw that, too, that you helped create the, the logo for WBC. Am I correct? Yeah, that is true. And, uh, you know, it's a great event for baseball fans. And clearly, you are and I am. Um, you know, the, the world is a big place. And we've seen international talent come into the game, including in Anaheim this season, yep. both pitching and, uh, and hitting. Right? Yeah. And that's actually a great example of what the WBC uh, is all about at its very best. It's only every four years, so it's sort of like the Olympics. It's an international event, and it was a really interesting project to be involved with because, um, you know, you're appealing to fans in markets that, that uh, are not Cincinnati, Kansas City, L.A., or New York. Um, you have to get into the mindset of what makes what, – what are Dutch fans <laughs> fans in Mexico, and what does the sporting landscape look like in a place like South Africa, for instance, or, I mean, you know, go down the line. So it, I, I do love the event. I think there's raw energy there. Uh, it's still young, and, of course, it took a little while, but the U.S. won it, and we'll see what happens when the next one rolls along, but I think there's great momentum. Yeah, I, I love the energy it brings. It just seems something different than your normal everyday game that you know the teams play every day it's something that doesn't happen like you said every four years so it seems like there's a little more energy in those uh stadiums when the games are going on um another thing yeah. you know we, we like to talk to people we interview and kind of get to know them a little bit better so you know how did you get into this what what was your mindset when you said you know what i want to design um, sports logos or jerseys or did it start off as something and then it, it kind of evolved into what it is now you mean when I was eight years old? Is that what you mean? <laughs> that goes way back then. That's awesome. So, yeah, I really was bored to do this. So uh, I come from a, a, a family of artists. I'm a fourth-generation working oh, artist. Oh, wow. In short, I, my dad was sort of a, a creative jack-of-all-trades, a designer, a photographer. He wrote a little bit. His father was an illustrator and a painter. His father before him was a painter. I didn't know him. passed before I was long before I was born. I have a brother who's a photographer and a retoucher. I have a niece who's a graphic designer. Wow, so yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we start with that, and I'll say that um, creativity was uh, never, you know, it was always encouraged, and a career in the arts was certainly never discouraged. Combine that with the fact that I've been a, uh, a sports fan, particularly a baseball fan, you know, since I was a kid. And I've looked at the, uh, at what, what players are wearing since I was really little. And you combine that with the fact that I'm a child of the 70s, and of course in the 70s across all sports, we had this just you know, intense blast of design yep. and color, which really memorable. So you kind of like stir that up into a big pot, and you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, I've yeah. been interested in this stuff from, yeah, from an early age. So uh, we fast forward through it. I went to college in New York City at the School of Visual Arts. Um, you know, I, I, as a graphic design student, some of the projects I, I dealt with were centered around baseball. So even then, I'm thinking about it. Um, I graduated college. I went into uh, book publishing, um, designed covers, thousand, probably a thousand book covers in my life for many authors you've heard of, and probably a lot of baseball books, if you're into baseball books, that you might have in your library. And um, so I, I really built up a portfolio that was centered around graphic design and baseball. At one point, I built up enough of a portfolio that I 
took it over to Major League Baseball. This sounds really simple, but <laughs> hear me out. Yeah. <laughs> this is a world without an internet. Oh, yeah, that's the hard part, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you extrap, you know, like I said, just think about that. Back in those days, you'd shop your work around as a designer or somebody who was interested in advertising or illustration, and you literally had a portfolio, which which was a box with stuff in it, right? Yeah. And you'd drop the thing off, and, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's no emails or nothing like that? Have... <laughs> no emails! What, are you kidding me? No, no such thing. No, not even fax machines. Maybe fax but anyway. but anyway, I dropped my work off with Major League Baseball, and, uh, you know, generally in a case like that, you're going to get one of two notes. Most of the time, you're going to get a note which is, says, thank you for dropping off your work. We'll keep you in mind. Well, I got a note that said, you have very interesting work. Come back and talk to us. And that was back in 1991, so it's a long time ago, and that's how it all started. Do you remember the feeling you had when you you know, were able, hey, we want you to work on this, and then you turn around and work on it, and then boom, you see it on the actual field? Do you remember that, that first time you saw it and, and your thoughts and oh, everything behind that? Absolutely. So the first a couple of smaller jobs, but the first team identity I ever did was a minor league baseball team, the Knoxville Smokies. Now they're the Tennessee Smokies. Okay, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it was just what an amazing thing to project the work that I was doing uh, onto, you know, thinking about the cap of a professional baseball player, regardless of the level, think about the uniform and how it would fit on there. And then when it finally happened, you know, I was I was just maniacal in ordering <laughs> the cap and the souvenirs and all that stuff, and I still have all that stuff. That's awesome. You know, from the Knoxville Smokies from all those years ago. Yeah. So the same. You know, I'll I'll, I'll uh, track back to our discussion at the top about you know seeing my work in the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. Well, that kind of energy and that excitement, you know, you you can imagine it. It's, it was it was there then. It's still there now. Yeah, I mean, I see the stuff you put out, and it's awesome. And like you said, you had a signing at the Hall of Fame. You know, us being kind of based on the West Coast, kind of hard for us to get out um, to New York and see it. So, um, you know, have you ever um, been around, you know, whether it's athletes, whether it's, you know, um, any kind of uh, celebrity where you're thinking, because of my job, I'm willing to do this, and this is pretty cool? Oh, I don't know. Give me an example. Like, I don't know, maybe you are at the Hall of Fame and then you happen to see a Hall of Famer walk by and he says hi or, you know, or someone recognizes you because of um, the stuff you've done that you, wow, he knows what I've done and you're just kind of like, that's, oh, that's yeah, pretty crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, I got it, I got it. Yeah, I mean, you know, ball players either don't care about this stuff or they really love their graphics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's one way or the other. There's, there's no, yeah, there's no in-between on that. And uh, you might have to explain it a little bit. And uh, there have been instances where I have uh, met Hall of Famers and I've said, you know, I did the uniform that you wore for X team or I designed the sleeve patch that you wore with this team in this particular year. And they're kind of like, that's a pretty cool thing. And they might not know who I am, but uh, they certainly, you know, know what the work is. And, uh, and that's always really neat. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's something that would be super cool to be like, yeah, that's me on there. I designed it, and and you know, ex big leaguers wearing it, you know, in the Hall of Fame, like you said, with the Vladimir Guerrero, and and him being the first angel in the Hall of Fame wearing that A is is awesome. 
Well, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I don't want to take any more of your time because you've been very generous so far. But um, definitely check out his book, Winning Ugly, ToddRayum.com, anywhere you can find books. Um, do you want to put your Twitter or anything else out there for the people to check out? Yeah, absolutely. I'm at Todd Radom on Twitter, T-O-D-D-R-A-D-O-M. Uh, so go take a look there. It's always a fun conversation, and uh, I love uh, throwing visual fun mots out there for fans of every team, including the Angels. Yes, definitely. All right, thank you very much. And that was my interview with Todd Radom. Again, a graphic designer. Um, some of the stories he's telling you, and like, I can't imagine – um, walking through the Hall of Fame and, and seeing Vlad Guerrero wearing the Angel logo on top of his head, and then, um, and then knowing that to me, I designed that. I, I to me, that would be so crazy. But again, thank you for Todd Radom. Check out his book, Winning Ugly. I mean, it's just about ugly uniforms and like kind of one of those things. Like, what were they thinking back in the '80s and and all that stuff? Maybe the periwinkles in there too. But definitely, definitely check him out, Todd Radom. Uh, .com, great guy, and just a, a, for us at Halo Haven, it's not just um, baseball. I mean, yeah, it is, but also because also the history and all that stuff. So, you know, going on, that made me want to ask this poll question this week on our Twitter at Halo underscore Haven. So, again, um, every week we try to put a poll question, and, um, you know, this poll question was very easy for me. Which logo do you enjoy the best? And, and, the only thing that sucks about Twitter is that there's only four options. So I had um, the current logo, which, you know, you see everywhere. Um, the CA uh, from the, the 95, right before they went to the Periwinkle. The big A, um, you know, the kind of what this kind of design is kind of based off of. But that was more in the 80s. And then, of course, the Periwinkle from the late 90s. Who can forget that? Um, but I guess kind of obviously the, the winner of it was... Um, the CA from the, the, the mid to late 90s before the periwinkle changeover was 49%, and that's kind of where I voted too. I like, I like seeing some of the older uniforms. I wish they would bust out some of the older uniforms uh, more when it comes to um, you know, throwbacks and, and stuff like that. All right, so again, great interview. That's the poll question. Uh, Twitter, Halo underscore Haven. Instagram, Halo underscore Haven. All the same. Check us out. Give us a follow. Uh, give us some retweets. Give us some likes. You, know, you can send a message. Um, and stuff like that. So, going into the emails this week, um, you know, we're touch on it fairly quickly. But the first email comes from Duncan Healy. Um, hey there, guys. I know you will be receiving a lot of messages regarding Mike Trout's future with the Angels. So I'm hearing a lifetime contract will be offered. Which, uh, which don't get me wrong. Yeah, duh. But will Mike ever consider that? Wouldn't you want to see the Angels? Uh, plans uh wouldn't he want to see the angels plans to improve this team moving forward otherwise he's stuck with the team uh through the best years of his prime i know i'm sure there would be an out clause in in there somewhere but a few years down the line just thought i would be the first to ask give the good work duncan uh no that's that's a great kind of news thing that has been brought up the last couple days is a lifetime contract with for Mike Trout, whether that is actually realistic. Like, I don't know how the, I don't know if they're just throwing the lifetime out there just to be lifetime out there, but, um, you know, what is it, you know, I don't want to, uh, Mike Trout at 45 playing just because, well, I got a contract. Why not? Um, but no, they definitely, definitely need to get him signed. And if um, they can at least start the conversations now uh, before that, that 
end of the before that 2020 season, which will be his last season under this current contract. If they can start now and make it work, great. Um, but I think some things you're they're they're going to have to see, especially with um, how the Bryce Harper and Manny Machado um, contracts uh, work out. Because if if they're going to kind of set the bar of what Trout can get. You know, if if they don't get a whole lot or maybe not as much as people think, then they he might, you know, think about signing an extension. Um, I, I, I'd never want to say a player should sign right away because, you know, let him go to test free agency. He's earned that. If that's what's going to help him make the most amount of money, then he needs to do that. Um, at the same time, uh, if Trout, for whatever reason, re-signs either next season or in that 2020 season, that's awesome. That's great. He's helping the Angels out tremendously. I think they should just build a statue in front of the stadium right then and there because I don't know how else to say thank you any more than that because he is going to um, go to free agency possibly and just, you know, and, and just have whatever he wants. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of teams up there. What do you want? We'll give you it. And for a guy that got drafted out of high school, and you see that with the, kind of like the old school NBA when there wasn't a one-and-done rule, but um, you would see that with uh, players that hit the free agency that got drafted out of high school. You, they never went through that um, recruitment process like you, do in high, like you do in college, like everyone trying to get at you and, and people trying to woo you here, try to woo you there. Um, would he want to try that? Would he want to see what people have to, to offer? Um, you know, so um, that to me is something that'd be really interesting in seeing, and um, we—I mean, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he he stays, and hopefully he uh, he signs an extension. But honestly, like I don't know how likely that is, just because of the fact that you know he's going to want to try to free agency, and I think a lot of the angel moves now are helping in the fact that um, they're signing people like Otani, they're signing Upton, you know, they have a young pharmacist that's up and coming and hopefully they can make a presentation with two trout um, saying, Hey, you know, um, look at all this guys coming up. Cause the angels didn't haven't had that in, in, in a really long time. So um, again, we will see how this goes and hopefully he can resign either in 2019 or before the 2020, but I say not likely. Um, Next email, um, what's good, fellas? Is it bad that I'm just waiting for the season to end? I'm curious to see what the Angels' moves are this offseason. The Trout talks are picking up again, so it's just situation pitching for agency going to be interesting this offseason. Yes, this offseason is going to be very interesting, and I, I kind of enjoy offseasons a little bit more than the regular season just because of the fact that there's so much stuff that could happen and change the change the fate of the uh, team like one of them uh, we're also live on instagram right now we got a question about a pool holes um you know pools are going to be a big deal does he become a coach i don't think that's how it's going to work I, I don't see that um it's going to be one of those things where why would you pay a coach that big of money when you can just kind of pay him out and, and you know go in the front office and not have to affect the team at all but uh, i think the pool holes thing is going to be a huge huge factor because i think the angels definitely need um Otani next year as he's rehabbing his Tommy John, if he gets it, um, to be the full-time DH. And I think he's shown it now that he can hit Major League, uh, major league Pitching. Um, so you look at it, you have um, – you look at Trout, you look at Upton, you look at um, Pujols uh, – uh, uh, Trout, 
Upton and Otani and being a great part of the lineup. And even if you could get um, second half Cole involved and, and, and maybe make that a full, full season, uh, uh, I think that that is definitely a way this offense can be a lot better. And then I think, obviously, we said on past, past podcasts that pitching is something they're going to need um, for the next couple of years. Um, you know, you do have some pitching coming back, you know, knowing that you're exactly looking to be that quote-unquote ace, but if you can get um, some guys in free agency or maybe um, package the trades, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't realize how good this farm system has become being top 10, and yeah, you don't want to gut it um, to make moves, but if you're able to trade, um, you have you have a lot of outfielders. I mean, you have a lot of outfielders. If you're going to seriously try to sound, try to sound uh, sign Trout and maybe you feel like you're getting close to it, you can flip a Brandon Marsh, a uh, you know uh, one of those kind of guys to play uh, with a whatchamacallit, with a uh, with for a pitcher and get a younger pitcher because you know the thing about free agency guys I don't know how people just say hey you know it's free agencies um, these guys are older these guys are going to be 29, 30 years old which with contracts like that if they're trying to get like a five year deal yeah maybe those first two years are going to be great but um, those back three years, back, you know, two years, are you, is, the, is the money going to be worth it? So i rather set them going through free agencies. I'd rather see how creative DePoto can get, not DePoto, sorry, Epler, um, can get while making trades and, and, and not, like I said, not gutting the system, but making some trades that make sense for younger guys that maybe don't have a huge um, load already on their shoulders. So, I think starting pitching, definitely maybe some relief pitcher here and there, but it seems they are hit and miss with relief pitchers. Like they could find one and he can do really well, you know, the majority of the time for the, for the price tag. Um, you know, you, you look at places like Colorado and, and, and St. Louis, they, they spent a lot of money on, on pitching this year on bullpen pitching is more likely. And it just didn't really turn into anything. I mean, they're kind of out of the playoffs. So, just because you spend a, a grip load of money on pitching, whether it's starting or relief, it doesn't guarantee you anything but a headache later on because you have these big price tags. So I'd rather them kind of go the younger route and maybe let these guys develop. You have a Griffin Canning. You have, you know, um, Parker Bridwell. As long as he doesn't pay against the A's, can be all right. Um, Ty Buttry, we talked about it earlier, great relief. I mean, great, great numbers right now. And maybe he could be in that uh, argument. Um, obviously, they can be in that closer um discussion at the end of the year but you know i see him making a couple moves i don't see him making the big big splash which i hope fans don't take that as oh they're not trying or oh they're not going to do anything um you know i think the core offense is good you might want to either a um get a third baseman or b get a second baseman because you're going to need to uh, fill one of those spots i believe cozart can just fit in wherever they don't get whether second or third um you know, people like Ward has been struggling, so you might need some a little more time. You know, it, Major League Baseball is a lot different than that AAA stuff they have in the PCL. I mean, the ballparks are different. These guys are legit pitchers, and they find a way to get you out. And I think that's showing um, up with people like uh, Fletcher before he got hurt and for Ward right now. But um, if they're able to put Ward into a into a package and trade him off, I, I was hoping they were going to do that and keep him in, down in AAA so his stock's super high, and I think that's taking a little hit right now. But, yeah, so the interesting the offseason is definitely interesting. 
the closer and closer it gets, you know, you have Socha's thing. He might not come back. All reports say that he's not, but nothing's been official. Where do they go from there? Do they make these roster moves before getting a manager, or do they bring in a manager and have the manager's input on these roster moves? That's something that's going to be, I personally will be seeing or be more interested in is, you know, what comes first, the roster moves, the trades, the signings, or do they have a manager within the first couple of weeks of the season being over and then you get over um, Socha stepping down or, or, or quitting or whatever, you know, him signing somewhere else. Um, I, I, I mean, someone said on Instagram they should wait for Joe Madden in 2020. I don't know how realistic that is because what are you gonna, who's going to coach next year? Um, you know, and, and are you going to have Socha for another year? Because – if you're going to have Socha for just one more year, then why are these players going to play for him um, when they know he's going to be out the next year? You're going to have to find a guy that you can give maybe four years, even if it's three years and a fourth-year kind of option, so the players know, okay, this is the guy for the long haul and um, hopefully be able to um, be a younger player, can relate to these players, because a lot of times now it's not about steals. It's not about when to bunt. It's not about stealing bases it's not about that kind of small ball stuff anymore if people that watch baseball is a lot more about um hit the ball get on base you know the analytics department will shift you over when you need to be shifted you know the manager is now a a, a true personality manager than a uh, baseball manager um you get those guys to play hard for you they'll do wonderful things if 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 they're not and you think you can x and o's yeah you might be able to x and no managers here and there but um Sometimes it's about the, the Jimmy and the Joes, not the X's and the O's. So um, that's definitely a, a idea when it comes to the manager. You need someone with kind of more of a long-term uh, future with the Angels, not just a one-year deal. And then, oh, I'm going to get Joe Maddow when he's available in 2020, if he's available. I mean, if the Cubs make a run this offseason, the Cubs would be dumb not to try to sign him again for another you know four-year extension or whatever. So there's a lot. If you're going to look at managers that are – on teams right now, you're seriously going to have to wait till the end of the year because, you know, like a, like a Joe Madden or someone like that, if they make a serious run, the Cubs would be dumb not to try to, um, you know, not try to re-sign them or anything like that. So, um, you know, for that's it. That's all we have for this week's uh, All Angels podcast. Again, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Halo underscore Haven. Um, we'll start posting stuff, you know, getting close to the, the last weekend series of the of the year possibly possibly we'll be there possibly bring the bus down possibly um do a little tailgate chris joe uh john and i have to uh, kind of talk about it um but i know i'll definitely be there for a social bobblehead which is kind of crazy it's kind of like his farewell here we're giving you a bobblehead you know hit the road Um, but we'll definitely be there for that possibly bring the bus but the way to find out for sure is to follow us on halo haven um, on twitter and on instagram because as soon as we figure out what we're doing and we're doing for sure that's the first place we're posting it um check us out next week on the all angels podcast if you have a question comment um anything uh criticism correct uh, you know whatever how to make this thing better we uh, will take it at uh, all angels podcast at gmail.com again that's all angels podcast at gmail.com um, but you know, that's, that's going to be it for this week's episode. And we want to thank our guest Todd Radom for taking time out and, um, you know, we'll see you, you know, next week. All right. Thank you.
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.